Hello, I'm Becca, the owner of Meet Cute Romance Bookshop, and this is the Meet Cute Book Pod. Today we have my chat with Mel Saavedra, the CEO and founder of Steamy Lit, a company aiming to provide a new way for underrepresented authors to have their work showcased while empowering people to think and talk more about sexuality and self-love. Steamy Lit produces a quarterly book subscription box called the Steam Box, 5% of the profit from which is donated to a rotating nonprofit. They're also gearing up to run this August's Steamy Lit Con in Anaheim, California, a romance-specific book convention. We at Meet Cute will be the bookseller at Steamy Lit Con, so Mel and I will both see you there. You'll hear Mel talk about how Steamy Lit and the Steam Box got started, how she picks the books she includes in the boxes, a little behind the scenes on the making of special edition book covers, what possessed her to run an entire romance book convention, and what that process has been like, and of course, some books she's loved recently. And now, without further ado, through the magic of podcasting, here is my conversation with Mel Saavedra of Steamy Lit. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to chat. I haven't seen you since you moved to Florida. I know. I hate that for me. I hate it for me, but, you know, other people (laughs) like Florida, I guess. You have so many things going on. We are going to get to all of them, but I wanted to just start with the basics. When did you start Steamy Lit and how did it come about? Sure. Um, I started Steamy Lit during the pandemic, so 2020, um, and it kind of came about me being by myself during lockdown and reading romance books and being horny. And I was like, hey, is no one else getting horny when they read romance books? And I was like, someone should really pair romance books and vibrators. And it's kind of how Stimulate got started, um, kind of like as an umbrella for what our main kind of product has been, which is the Steambox. How did you go from, I have this great idea to, I am actually going to figure out how to make this a real thing? Yeah, it definitely took a lot of like, holy shit, I'm doing this. Um, and a lot of research, right? Like I didn't know anything about anything. Like I haven't been in the sexual wellness space and in the book space, right? I've just been a reader. So I didn't know anything about like how to get books, how to get sexual wellness items. What items am I going to put in the box? Where do I even print boxes from? Um, so it definitely took a lot of research first and reaching out to just publishers. And a lot of it was just like sending out cold emails like, hi, this is who I am. And I'm, this is what I'm starting to do. Like, who can I talk to? And it's not very transparent on who you can talk to about ordering books. And like, just especially like sub boxes are like special markets and like, all of these things that I, like, I had no idea there was a book wholesaler that you bought books from. Right. Um, and I talked to somebody early on the owner of the feminist book box, and they gave me a lot of really good information just about like my product, what, how, how to sell, um, where to like, look up these things. So that was very helpful. Um, and that's kind of how the idea started forming. I knew this is what I wanted to do. And then it was just a lot of research and figuring out like, okay, what next? So you don't have a background in the sexual wellness space or in the book space other than as a reader. What is your your work background? 
A little bit of a lot of things. I studied sports management, so I was in collegiate athletics for a while. Um, and then I was in the military as well. So I was in the Navy. So um, that was also part of my background. So it was really interesting to be in a space where I felt so passionate about two things without ever having thought about. I mean, like I knew I was passionate about reading, but I never thought I would make it a business. And have you found that some of the skill sets, if not the knowledge areas from your other careers and your other educational background has been useful in running this business? Definitely. I would say um, from athletics and what I did in athletics, it was always a, it was a job that was nonstop. Um, and it, that's kind of what owning your own business is like, it's nonstop. And I guess the military is kind of the same way, right? Like you're just always, always working um, or you're always on call. So I, I think part of that definitely has resonated a lot with what I do now. I will say with the sexual wellness portion, I think that's probably been like the most intimidating part because a lot of people turn to me as an expert and I am not. And so I want to make sure that people are very aware of that. <laughs> I am hoping though to take some classes and just like women's studies and gender studies in general, because um, it's something that now that I've started the business, I'm very interested in and like just being in those spaces. And I think things I learned there could really translate into what I'm doing with the steam box. And I always tell people, um, especially with just like embracing sexuality, it looks so different for every single person. And just because I'm like over here posting a picture with five vibrators, like does not mean that that's what you have to do, right? Like whatever it is for you to be okay with your sexuality is perfectly fine. Please don't use me as a role model because I'm just, I just do what I do, you know? Are you a Leo? I am a Cancer. Wow. Do you have a Leo but rising? I I am a lyricizing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I see that for you. Yeah. I am a cancer sun and moon. <laughs> um, so we are just very, very emotional. And um, so if you find tears on top of your boxes, that is why. And then I think Leo rising is my like, it's like what keeps me going. <laughs> Yeah, it's the part that posts the boudoir photos to the Instagram. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Which are great, yeah. by the way. Thank Fantastic. you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We've talked a little bit offline, and I find this so <laughs> interesting. How do you go about choosing the books that you're including in your subscription boxes? Yeah, it's a lot of reading, I'll tell you that much. And it's almost like pressured reading now, which as someone who likes to read for just fun, it takes a little bit of that fun away because like now I feel pressured to be able to put a box, a book in the box that is like a great product, you know, and it's not just like me and my like story graph or Goodreads friends that, <laughs> you know, now it's everybody. But for me, obviously, just like diversity and inclusion is very big for me and something that I set out to be very intentional about early on. And a lot of that came from like, just not seeing myself represented in books a lot. And especially in romance, having to like, look a little harder for like Latinx protagonists, um, or just like, the people who shape my world. And so that that is something that I take a lot of like consideration into. And really, it's just like what hits for me at the moment. Like sometimes I read a book and from the beginning, I'm like, that's it. And sometimes I, I read a book and at the beginning, I'm just kind of like, eh, you know what? Like maybe this is not it. But then like I get halfway through the book and I'm like, oh, absolutely. People need to read this. So it just kind of depends. And then as far as like 
the items that go in the box, I try to make it really like an experience where it's like a self-care experience, including um, the vibrator. It's a lot of like whatever hits for me you're getting. Do you ever panic about your taste? Because I often, I mean, right, I'm not doing this as much as you are, but we have book clubs, you know, and we we pick the right. books for book club. And I am trying to pick a book that I think other people will like, but that I also will like. And fundamentally, it's not possible to please everybody. Like that's how art works. So I just sometimes get really paralyzed about that. I lose my mind um, every single time that I pick anything for the box. Uh, <laughs> But I think now I become a, a little bit more just like confident in general on my choices. And like you said, you can't please anybody. Something that I've also tried to be more inclusive about is like levels of steam. And I have gotten some like commentary on this. Like, how do you put, you know, kind of like a closed door romance in like a, a, the steam box, right? But I think it's important to showcase levels of steam because steam is so different and subjective for every single person and not everyone experiences love and romance and sexual attraction the same way and I can't remember the person's handle on Instagram but she talks about um, being in the ace spectrum and how like a lot of people give romance books bad reviews or talk badly about romance books when there's like a lack of steam and how that is hurtful for people who are part of the ace spectrum because that's sometimes how they relate to books, right? And so I've been trying to be very conscious about that too, because I think we all experience things differently and it's important to try to capture it. It's also not true, or at least it's not the case to me that a book can't be sexy and also be closed door. True. I mean, this is the famous, right? The the Pride and Prejudice, like hand clench, Right. right. The, the right. gif heard around the world, it's a mm-hmm. hand clench and everyone's like, oh, swoon, like getting right. warm. Right. So I feel like sexual space. tension and even like little looks are just like almost there, but like it never happens. Like it's just as sexy as like a wide open door scene. So again, um, I think everyone has their opinion. So sometimes you're just not going to please everybody. But I just hope that with what we're doing, we open up what people are reading, not only in diversity, but also in in that, right? Like you don't have to have a Katie Robert book for it to be steamy and sexy. Yeah. Sometimes people come in and ask for, uh, they use an adjective that just feels very subjective, like this, the sexiest book at the store. And I'm just like, I'm going to need so much more information about you as a person (laughs) for that question. Okay. So you, you pick books, you pick cool trinkets to go along with them. You pick vibrators and you also do special edition books. Are those part of the box? Are those a separate add on to the box sometimes they are part of the box and i'm trying to be better about this but like our first special edition that we did was anaheim twisted love and when we did that one we made sure to include it in a box because we wanted to be able to draw people to the other authors that we were also putting in that box that they might have not picked up otherwise right so there's a method to how i do that because i want to make sure that like maybe if I send this to you, you will pick it up, you know, but then we've also done like, then we did the rest of Anna's series, um, just like as its own special edition box. And now we've kind of started dabbling into a little bit of both doing them independently through steamy lit, which is kind of just like our online romance bookstore, and then also doing some 
for each box. So it just kind of depends. Um, like I saw the same thing. We just did Nikki Sloan's The Frat Boy. We did a special edition on that. And, you know, our like winter boxes sold really well. And it makes me happy because of the other books that are also like, I know that you were already picking up The Frat Boy by Nikki Sloan. And it makes me really happy that you're also now going to be picking up these other two books because of it. So trying to be a little bit more intentional about that. But yeah, we, we kind of do a mixture of both. It's been really fun to not only give the author a chance to like maybe do something for a cover that they weren't able to do before, maybe they thought about after, but also just thinking about the book itself, if you've read it and you love it and being like, oh, what would be really cool on the cover, you know? So that's been really great. And what is the process like? I imagine it's really different depending on whether it's a, an indie self-pub book or published through a big mainstream traditional publisher, but how does that design process work? And are you usually reaching out to authors or publishers? Are people reaching out to you? So far, I've been the one to reach out to everyone. I will say the Christina Lauren Atria Simon and Schuster like was probably my biggest. I'm gonna just shoot my shot and see what happens because I had only done indie before. Which um, with indie, it's much easier because I work directly with the author. You, you know, we pick the artist together. I pay for the the work, and then like I work really closely with the author to make sure it's something that they want and something that they envision. Where with um, now we've done Love in Other Words, and then we have Part of Your World by um, Abby Jimenez. The difference with the two is that like Simon and Schuster was willing to print everything. And um, for part of your world, they were like, we can't print it unless you order like this minimum quantity, which was like, I think it was 5,000. And then, so then we're buying the hardbacks from them and then printing out the dust jackets ourselves and then swapping them out. Oh, interesting. And this is all things that I've just like learned as I've gone because like I had no idea and I still am learning a lot. Like I don't know how other book boxes do it. But so Simon and Schuster was able to, I picked the artist and then we kind of worked with their team, the artist and the authors to make sure that we covered all of our bases there. And same thing with Part of Your World, the author, the publisher and us were all kind of like in conversation but one prints it all the other one doesn't so that's been interesting because then like figuring out the right size of the paper to print out the dust jacket actually i lie this this would be our third um because we did do a merry little meet cute by um sierra simone and julie murphy and that was our first trad um and i was like paper size what we ended up just like taking the book to the printer and being like, this is the size we need, like just print it on this. <laughs> so yeah, the, the details will get you. There's a lot that goes into that. And there's just so much more that I want to learn. And every publisher is going to be different. I mean, we even have that on the bookstore end. How do we do a return if they sent it damaged, like different for every publisher? Like how does ever? it's just, you know, they're all right. Okay, so we've talked about Steamulet and the Steambox, but the other really big thing that you're doing, and part of the reason we know each other, is that you're running the Steamy Lit Con this summer in August in Anaheim, and we're your bookseller. But that is, I mean, if a book box is an undertaking, running an entire book convention is really taking it to the next level. How did this idea come about? And at what point did you go from like, I would love for someone else to do that to I am going to be the person who does this? 
I want to say that I'm kind of back at like, I really want someone else to do this. <laughs> um, it has been a huge undertaking. Um, we have hired an event team now, so that helps out tremendously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Stimmy LitCon, the idea came very early on, I guess, for me. Right around the time that I was starting Steamy Lit, I was like, oh, a book convention would be really fun. But a book convention that uh, was diverse, right? And like, that was kind of what I wanted to first look into when I first got the idea. And um, Cookie, who's my co-organizer, was the first person I told about this. Um, she was like, okay, when you're ready to do it, like, let me know because I want help with everything. And I was like, okay, like, don't regret this later. <laughs> because if you should know something about me is that if I have an idea and I feel passionate about it, it's happening. And that's kind of what I did with this. I My kind of first part of this was I wanted to go to a couple of different conventions to check them out and see, like, is there really a need for another one? I didn't really know of any California, like, romance book convention. So I felt like there was that piece missing there. And at the time, I lived in California. And just from the co book conventions that I went to, while, like, I loved them and I loved the authors that attended, they were primarily white. And I wanted to see just more people that look like me and just, again, right, like, people who, like, surround the world around me. So I really wanted that to be the focus. And I think it was during Comic-Con um, last year, Adriana Herrera came to San Diego and we met up and I was kind of telling her about this idea and she was like, if you do it, we're going to support. And I think I really needed to hear that because I, at that point, it was very much just like, I hope to do this one day, but I think I really needed to hear from someone like Adriana that she would support for me to be like, okay, then I can do this. And yeah, that's kind of how it turned from an idea to an actual thing. I think once I saw the, the convention hotel, I was like, absolutely like, this feels just like the right place for us. Now we're just kind of pushing on. We're still selling tickets. And I think that that's been like our biggest hurdle, like letting people know that we exist, that we're in California, that it's happening, and that we're really working for it to be more than a convention. So like, sure, we're going to have a convention yearly, but we also want to provide support for those same authors that we are trying to uplift by providing just like different kind of scholarships throughout the year and things like that. So if an author wants to get published, an author needs to pay for edits, uh, an author needs to pay for a cover design, like those are things that we can help provide aid for, because that can be such a barrier to get published, especially for just marginalized identities and folks that are underrepresented in publishing. It's been great. It's been really great. I feel like there's really nothing like the romance book community. And yeah, very excited. And we're so excited you're a bookseller. Yeah. Oh, it was such serendipity because we had just <laughs> opened and you were still yeah. in San Diego and it just yeah. it really worked out so well. We might actually end up bringing the convention to San Diego next year. We're kind of working through that right now just because, and I talked about this really early on, but like the deposits that the hotel wanted us to provide, which we were able to lower them, but overall um, are still pretty high. And so because we had already locked in the authors for those dates, we decided to just keep going through. But it, we definitely wouldn't be able to operate like that for a second year. So we're looking at different options right now, whether it's like that same area or just like Southern California in general. I would love to have it in San Diego. Um, and just trying to figure out like, what is the best time of the year? Like, is it summer? Is it winter? Is it fall? Like, when do people want to go to conventions without it? Yeah, you know, I know some authors are teachers or authors have kids and then their school. And just so 
there's like a lot to think about. So stay tuned for 2024 dates, but 2023 is going to be great. It's going to be a learning curve for all of us, but I think it's going to be fantastic. I feel like the energy that every single person that had that is involved with the convention is so amazing that I think it's going to be great. Yeah. I can't imagine that it will be anything, but just joyful and fun and yeah. such a lovely community event. And I hate crowds. I don't attend conventions <laughs> generally, but I'm excited yeah. for this one. It's going to be great. Is there anything about the organizing of it that you have found different than you expected, harder or easier, but just really surprising? Yeah, I I probably the hotel piece. I came from a background of travel for athletics. So negotiating contracts is something that I did literally like every single day. And not being able to negotiate this contract to what I needed it to be was like a kick in the butt. And a lot of it has to do because we are a small business. We this was the first time we were doing our convention. And the company that I worked for was a multi-million dollar business. (laughs) So like, obviously some perks with that. Right. But I guess I, and like, I just really thought because I had this experience in hotel sourcing and hotel contracting that it would go really smoothly with this. And it did not. (laughs) And then I learned very quickly that there are people who do this for conventions for a reason, right? Where like I was doing it for sure for athletics and some are big contracts, but not not as big as something like this. So definitely something that I learned and which is why we've hired our event team now, just because there's just so much logistically, right? Like the swag bags, where are things going to be shipped? Who's manning what? The volunteers. And it was just going to be a lot for me and Cookie to just both do ourselves. So we decided to just contract an event team. And that's been really helpful. Good. Yeah. That sounds like as things start to pile up, there's always more than you think there's going to be. And I think it's probably a good idea to make sure you're not an exhausted husk of a person by the time the convention starts. Yeah. And I think it's, I sometimes need to like humble myself and know that I can't do it all. Even if I want to, I need to know when to ask for help. And you know, while we were able, me and Cookie, it was manageable at the very beginning as we were getting authors and setting up ticket sales. But after that, it's like, okay, now you have to actually like execute it. And it was, there was definitely a lot to take on. So yeah, we're really excited. We're working with two women and I think it's going to be great. We actually need to like figure out the volunteers soon. If you want to volunteer for Steamy Litcon, the applications are open. Yeah. I have found with running a small business, trying to figure out which are the things that are most important for me to be doing and which are the things that I can have someone else do and which are the things that I actually can't do and don't have the expertise to do. And even though I'm competent, should maybe have somebody else do. Right. Yeah. And I think too, right. Like once you own your own business, it's like, when you work for other people, there was always somebody else to ask or some, there was always somebody else who did it before or who was in charge of it before or like who had ended up falling on like so that you can go back and ask those questions. When you're the business owner, like it all falls back on you, whether you know how to do it or not. So, you know, being able to, yeah, kind of figure that out and delegate and like, okay, it's worth it for me to spend my time doing this versus this. Um, I think I thrive in building relationships with people. And I feel like I was like, okay, well, this is what I have to focus on. And I can let the events team focus on the logistics. Cookie's really good about like organizing spreadsheets and keeping us really organized. So she's focused on that. It's a learning curve, but it's great. Well, I don't want to take up any more of your time since you're running like seven businesses. But before I let you go, are there any books that you've read recently that you've loved that 
you're not saving as a secret for the the steam box, but that you want to recommend. Yeah. So, um, the nanny by Lana Ferguson, um, I just devoured that like last week. Oh my God. Automatic five star. It was so freaking good. I, I think my review, oh no, I have it right here. I haven't changed it yet. It was single dad romance books make me want to be someone's stepmom every single time. Um, and this is still true. And that was my five star rating. It was just so, so good. Another one that I've loved is chef's choice by TJ Alexander. And that one comes out May 30th. It was so, so good. I love that one as well. And uh, I just also finished the Guava Flavored Lies by J.J. Arias, which is a sapphic romance set in South Florida. So like my Miami loving heart absolutely loved it. And it's these two daughters of these two families. I believe they were both Cuban families who own these rivalry bakeries. So there's a little bit of that like rival bakery, rival chef type thing. Um, and just like families who are against them being together. So um, that was also great. And then for YA, because I can't stop talking now, Never Are We Getting Back Together by Sophie Gonzalez. Oh my God, I was cackling. Like it was so funny. Um, it was great. So those are my choices. Those are great choices. This has been so fun. Thank you so much for making the time in your extremely busy schedule. It's been delightful to chat and and personally to catch up. Of course. Thank you for having me. Puppy, come here. Puppy, come here. Hey, sorry. She's biting on a cord. And there you have it. A huge thank you to Mel from Steamy Lit for getting into the complicated behind-the-scenes of running a small business and a big convention. Speaking of, tickets for Steamy Lit Con, which is in Anaheim, California, August 18th and 19th, are still available at steamylitcon.com. And you can pre-order books to pick up at the convention through our website at meetcutebookshop.com. That's all for this episode of the Meet Cute Book Pod. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Becca, the owner of Meet Cute Romance Bookshop in San Diego, California. I hope you'll tune back in for more deep dives into romance writing, reading, and publishing. Mm-hmm.